year. Amen. Well, we are on our last lesson on the fruit of the Spirit, and today the the last um, portion of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be speaking on is temperance, and we have been on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and the word of the Lord reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. Um, When we have the fruit of the Spirit abounding in us, when we have it living, flowing through us, the Holy Ghost flowing through us, when we have His Spirit dwelling in us, and manifesting itself like it should, then his fruit is also going to show forth in our lives. Every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit will be showing in our lives. So today, again, we're going to be speaking on temperance. And uh, temperance is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. So again, this is according to the Greek definition of the word temperance. Let me read it one more time. Temperance is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. And when you read that definition, It says one who masters his desires. But something that we need to keep in mind is that this is the fruit of the spirit. Okay, this is um, this is a part of the fruit of the spirit. This is not something that we can do on our own. This is not something that is a work of the flesh. Well, I you know, I have to control. No, we're going to get to that. It, but it's a it's a work of the spirit working through us that teaches us how to be temperate. It, the Lord, the Spirit of God, teaches us how to be temperate, how to master one's desires, because it's the Spirit who is flowing through us. It's the Spirit that we're allowing to work in us. Okay, so when we allow the Spirit of God to work in us like it should, then it's going to convict us. It's going to prick. It's going to give that warning signal. Uh, I don't know how to, um, you know, somebody do a warning signal. What is a warning signal? A siren, right? Okay, which one do we want to go and do? Right. Wee 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 wee, you know. <laughs> Hear the sound, right? It's the spirit of God saying, "Hold on a second. Be temperate. Don't give in to your sensual appetites, what the flesh wants to do. Don't give in to what you want to do, but allow me to flow through you." That's what temperance is. Is Letting the Holy Ghost be completely and fully in control. Where he's the master, we are not the master. 
He's the master over our desires, over our passions, and over our appetites. When the flesh wants to do something, we yield. We yield to the Holy Ghost, and when the, when the signal goes and says, no, you shouldn't do that, okay, I'm going to listen. But the moment I give in to those passions, then I'm actually I'm, I'm shutting the spirit up. I'm actually saying, no, I'm going to do this because I want to do this. So there's temperance that, that we need in our lives. And again, it's a work of the spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. The Hebrew word, because the, the definition that I just gave you, it's the definition in the Greek. So then I started asking, okay, Lord, all of the apostles that wrote the New Testament, they, what did they have when they wrote the epistles? They had the law. That's all they knew was the law. God inspired them to write, but they had the law already. And many times when we read the epistles, they are quoting scripture from the Old Testament. They're quoting the prophets. They're quoting um, Moses, the law. They're quoting David. They're quoting the, the Psalms or the Proverbs because that's what they knew. That's what they had. That is the word, the inspired word of God. And so I, I started asking, okay, Lord, what is this? So I started doing some research. I said, what is the Hebrew word, the equivalent, the Hebrew um, e word that's e that the equivalent of the Greek word, right, for temperance? And that word is? Modest or modesty, humility. Modest in the sense that I'm going to hold back. I'm going to be modest, not in, in apparel, but in character. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, that person is so modest. That means that they're not out there trying to be seen, trying to um, put themselves out there, but they're letting other people go. They're saying, no, it's okay. You go right ahead. They're being modest. They're being humble. So the Hebrew word that's equivalent of the Greek, of the word temperance, is modest or humility. And we see that in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He that showeth thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. That is what God wants from each and every one of us. When we are, when we are temperate, when we have temperance working in us, which is the Holy Ghost working in our lives, the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, it's humility that is at work. See, the fruit of the Spirit we just read about in Galatians chapter 5, it starts off with love, right? Because God is love, isn't he? All of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, that's who God is. But everything is sealed in humility, in temperance. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death. He took the form of a servant, 
even though he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, he humbled himself and became obedient. So everything, everything of who he is and what we need to be when we are filled with the Holy Ghost and we are showing him living inside of us has to be wrapped up in humility, has to be wrapped up in temperance, saying, God, you lead. I'm not going to. God opposes the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if I am going to show the fruit of the Spirit, it has to be through love. I have to exemplify joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and it has to be wrapped up in temperance. Lord, you guide every single step that I take. Whatever I say, whatever I think, whatever I hear, let it be filtered through you, through humility. Because when the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are working, when they're in operation in our lives, we want to take credit. That's why we need the fruit of the Spirit to temper us. We need the working of the Holy Ghost when we have the the gifts of the Spirit operating. Because when we have the fruit, it keeps us humble. I'm staying there for a reason. Temperance is humility. It's modesty. It's not me bragging. Well, the Lord did this through me. The Lord did that through me. Bless God. No. And he does want to use each and every one of us to bring healing, to do miracles, to do signs and wonders, and to give a word of encouragement, and to speak faith, and to speak life into someone. But it has to be done with the fruit of the Spirit in operation. And it has to be completely covered in humility. Otherwise, we're going to get puffed up. Pastor Brown. Thank you. 
quenching the spirit, that's what's operating in you through human words. Okay? Now, that's part of that. And it's foolish spirit now to not resist the spirit. Resistance spirit can be tempered without being quenched. Amen. Amen. So we, we can do this and this in decency and in order right. without Amen. Amen. And that's when you make that beautiful sound that it's supposed to make because it's working together. Amen. Um, when we have both operating in our lives, the gifts and the fruit of the spirit, it makes a joyful noise. It balances it out. It tempers it out. So let's continue with that. The closer, um, sorry, and let me go back here after Micah 6, 8. Because what God requires of us is that we do justly, that we love mercy, and that we walk humbly with our God. That's what God requires. This means walking close to God, to be reserved or to preserve, meaning I'm hidden. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3.3. 3. That's Colossians 3.3. 3. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm reserved. It's all that you see is Jesus Christ working. You don't see me. He does use my personality. He gives you gifts according to your personality. But you hide. Okay, Lord, let it be, let my personality be the tool that you use to be able to speak to people, but don't let my personality be bigger than what you want to do. That's, that's key right there. So it's to show a humble walk with God. That's what temperance is. I'm not just saying I'm humble. I'm showing it. If you have to say you're humble, then maybe you're not humble. <laughs> um, it's just going to show forth. It's just going to come out. A lot of the times I'm going, oh, Lord, I'm crucifying this flesh because I know me. I know my personality. I know my temperament. I'm loud. I know that. Nobody has to tell me I'm loud. Nobody has to tell me that I like to joke around, that I like to be loud and be silly. So I purposely have to crucify, I, I feel like I'm constantly crucifying my flesh and saying, oh God, forgive me. I don't, I don't want me to come out in certain times. You know, I just don't want that. I want you. I want you to be the one who's seen, not me, not my personality, but I want you to be seen. And so it's a, it's a constant thing. And I'm constantly like, oh Jesus, I just probably messed up right there. I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. And that's just the way that I think constantly because I am aware that I like to, I like to take credit. That's just, that's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you don't deal with that kind of stuff. But I have to constantly um, crucify, crucify my flesh and, and make sure that I'm, I'm hiding. I'm hiding with Christ in God. Amen. So the closer I get to God, the more his spirit flows through me, the more tempered I become, the more reserved I become, or 
I preserve the image of God because we are his image bearers. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be presenting, showing forth his image, not my image, not my daddy, my natural daddy, or my mother, my earthly mother. I'm supposed to show the character and the image of God. So in the culinary world, tempering in its simplest form means to bring two liquids you plan to blend together to a similar temperature before combining them completely. So when you're tempering eggs, if you're going to make a custard, if you're going to use it to make ganache, yum, 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 chocolate, a chocolate ganache, you have to bring that, those eggs to that same temperature that whatever it is that you're cooking. So you slowly start adding, incorporating um, the ingredients to those eggs so they don't scramble. You, that those eggs can't be, can't be cold. They have to be room temperature to begin with. And then you slowly start raising the temperature so that, and you have to constantly stir and it's a lot of work. Usually it's not just one person. If, you, if, if it's just one person that's doing that, that job, you better have all the ingredients in front of you, in hand, right there, so that you can start adding them slowly but surely. Otherwise, what you're going to get is cooked, scrambled eggs, and it's not going to be pretty. So that's what tempering is. When you're making, when you're tempering something, you're getting it to the temperature that it actually needs to be, but slowly. God wants to temper us where we, are not, we don't become scrambled. He wants us to get us to be at his level, at his temperature, at his degree, without scrambling. So he slowly starts adding things to our lives. He slowly starts adding heat. And we don't like it, but he's mixing. And so there's a lot of shaking going on, a lot of stirring going on. And we feel beaten up a little bit. And he's saying, calm down. I'm in control. I'm just slowly adding that trial in there. It may seem like it's turning your world upside down. It's changing you. It is. It's changing your consistency. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to be beautiful. You're going to be gorgeous. How many of you like um, custard? Custard is like ice cream. The difference, it has eggs in it. It's smoother. Oh, it's silkier. It's so much better than ice cream. I love custards. I love custards. But you have to temper it. You have to temper it. And so when we're being tempered, yeah, it doesn't feel good a lot of the time because you are being changed. You are being transformed. God is adding some heat. He's shaking things up in your life. He's beating some things out of you or beating some things in, some air, some you know, some air into that so that it changes the consistency of who you are and you become exactly what you need to be in his sight. So just a little bit of culinary arts in that. But boy, the finishing touch. I mean, I love truffles. I love ganache, chocolate ganache. I love my custards. 
Yes, 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 yes. Bring it all, but it requires tempering. Another example is in tempering when it comes to metallurgy is the process of improving the characteristics of a metal, especially steel, by heating it to a high temperature. Man, tempering requires heat. So you heat that steel, you bring it up to a high temperature, though below the melting point. Then cool it, usually in air, and then the process has the effect of toughening by lessening brittleness and reducing internal stresses. And that's how you get that beautiful shine on that stainless steel. And, and it doesn't become brittle. It doesn't just shatter. But it's tempered. And, and it's created to, to do what it was intended to do. We see in Galatians 5, and 23 that temperance is part of the fruit of the Spirit developed in our lives when we're abiding in Jesus Christ and Jesus is abiding in us. Um, and many translations, including um, the Greek language, they, they don't just use temperance, but they use the, the word self-control. Um, and that's right. They're right because that's what it means to a certain extent um, in that it is the spirit, and we talked about this already, it is the spirit that teaches us to use self-control. We allow the Holy Ghost to work through us. It's not a work of the flesh, it's not a work of self, but it's the work of God. God teaches us to use self-control. And better yet, we allow the Holy Ghost to be in control rather than, than our flesh. And so then we allow the spirit to convict, to check us, you know, has those checks and balances. That's what it's for. That's temperance. And it teaches us how to be tempered, how to be self-controlled as we listen and use restraint. I cannot stress, and back to our notes, I cannot stress the importance of an abiding relationship with Christ enough. We often believe that because we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues that we are in abiding relationship with God. Guess what? That's only the entry level of being in relationship with God. When you repent of your sins, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, and when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are now at the entry level of your relationship with God. You're at the entry level I've used this example before. If I invite you to my house and you accept the invitation, but you stay at the entryway, what is, how is that helping you? It's the same thing with the kingdom of God. If you just receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you repent of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you're baptized in Jesus' name, but you stay at that entry level, how is that helping you getting into the kingdom, knowing about the king, and knowing the kingdom itself, what God wants you to do in the kingdom? It doesn't. You have to go beyond that experience, that entry-level experience. You've got to get to know Jesus. You've got to get to know him. You've got to get in relationship with him. And you've got to get to know what his kingdom is about. 
And we see that through the Gospels. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is what the kingdom looks like. We've got to get to know him. And we've got to get into relationship with him. So um, that's just the, the start of the, your new birth experience. Therefore, we must grow in love, in obedience, in the word, in knowing God, knowing what he likes and what he dislikes. How do we get to know that? Reading the word, letting the spirit operate in our lives, praying in the spirit. When we pray in the spirit and we read the word, we feel those tugs in our spirit. God telling us, nope, you shouldn't be doing that. You see what I just had you read there? Yep, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And you're, you're starting to, but you're not quite there yet. And he convicts you and you're like, ooh, I need to start working on that. Right? That's what it is. And so we need to know his likes, his dislikes, and knowing who I am in him through the gifts he has given me and by what the word of God says about me. How do I get to know who I am? By getting to know who he is. Because the word becomes a mirror. It reflects, it shows me who I am, where I'm at, and who I need to be. So I need to make sure that I'm getting in the word. Temperance only comes through learning and understanding God's boundaries for us and keeping them. And yes, God does have boundaries. And he expects, expects us to stay within those parameters, within those boundaries. And, you know, we live in, a, in, a, in an age where boundaries is almost a, like a swear word. Don't tell me what to do. Who are you? I tell you, there's boundaries there. <laughs> You'll find out real quick if you say that to a police officer, don't tell me what to do. Woo! Or you run a light and the police comes after you. Don't tell me what to do. Well, the law is telling you, telling me what to do in regards to you because you just broke a boundary, a law. Okay? God is the creator of all things. He put parameters and boundaries in places. And so we need to know what his boundaries are. And, uh, and then we need to make sure that we're keeping them. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Wow. Let's read that in the Passion Translation. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So the Hebrew word, and, and when you look it up, it's, it's, that's what it means. When there's no vision, the people perish. Where there is no prophetic vision, that's what it says if you look it up. That Hebrew word for prophetic vision can refer to a vision of the night, a dream, an oracle, or a revelation. So the Septuagint, the, the original, reads, where there's no prophetic seer or an interpreter that is a leader that is giving you guidance, there's not a pastor in your life or the word of God being spoken into your life, someone who interprets that vision, then the people become unbridled. 
lawless, and lack restraint. They lack self-control or they lack temperance. That's what it means. God has a vision for each and every one of us. God has given us vision. His word is our manual. That's our guide. And so where we don't when we don't have that vision, when we don't take ownership of the vision of God for our lives, when we don't listen to the word of God being spoken, preached, taught, read, we don't read it, and we just do what we want, we don't take a hold of it, then we, we will become lawless. We will do whatever we want to do. We will lose restraint, and, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Um, man, I don't even want to mention it, but a few years ago, you know, and things are happening again, but all of this um, social unrest, you know, racial tensions, things were, that have happened in our country that have brought division what have people done? Lose restraint. Next thing you know, you've got riots happening. And they're running around, and they're messing up businesses. What did that business do to you? What did that person do to you? Why are you taking your anger out and your frustration out on a city that now is going to have to rebuild, and it's going to have to use tax dollars, and that, that's, that poor person who just... You just messed up their business. Now they're going to have to use their hard-earned money to build it all back up. There's consequences to all of these things. But that's lawlessness right there. That's no restraint. Because they couldn't use self-control. Because they just let themselves go completely. This is a work of the Spirit. It's just to prove to show us where our country is. We've removed God. We've separated it from state. And this is where our country has headed. We, we, want, we want things to go back to the way it's supposed to be. Put God back in his rightful place. So we need, we need leadership. We need godly leadership. And we need to listen, not just have godly leadership so that you can hear what you want to hear. But when they've got some tough things to say that rub you the wrong way, it's not to harm you, it's to sharpen you, to make you better. It might hurt a little bit, but it's done in love so that you can grow. <laughs> I was... And I've been I've been running like crazy these past the past I don't know I've just been I've been running, and my I was talking with my husband earlier today. I haven't taken care of my plants in like two years. I haven't done anything to those plants except water them. <laughs> and if you've been to my house, you know I've got plants. I've got plants, especially in the prayer room. I've got plants everywhere. So today. I went to the store. I went and got some new potting soil. I got some warm castings. 
that's plant food, natural plant food, all these different things. And I went and uh, started working on my plants, repotting some plants. And I have these two um, uh, planters that are head planters. And one of them is called Mr. Nutty, and the other one is called Mrs. Cracker. <laughs> he looks like a nutcracker. So he looks like a nutcracker. She doesn't, kind of. But I had to give her a cute name, you know. They're, anyway, they're on my piano. They're together, Mr. Nutty, Mrs. Cracker. And uh, I hadn't worked on poor. Poor Mr. Nutty has lost his hair several times. That plant that I put on him has died. I don't know how many times. So <laughs> I tried it again. I put a new plant there. But Mrs. Cracker has had the same hairstyle, you know, same plant for three years. And I haven't touched it. But I was a novice when I first started taking care of plants. Well, the, the, the planter doesn't have a hole in the bottom to drain like it's supposed to. I did crazy things. They said, put rocks, do these different things. So I did. I put rocks on the bottom. It's supposed to help with drainage. Actually, it makes it worse. The, the, the roots can rot because they're sitting in water or they have no place to grow. So here I am. I haven't touched Mrs. Cracker in I don't know how long, in three years. So I'm trying to pry the plant out of there. I shook her, I don't know, hopefully, I think she'll survive because I don't think I really damaged the roots and stuff. But when I finally was able to remove all of that plant out, the roots, some of them were, were wrapped around some of the rocks. And that's not good. That's weighting it down. It could break. Again, there's no space in there. The, the roots were really shallow been there for three years and I was wondering I mean her the plant has grown but the leaves are getting smaller and smaller because there's no room for it to grow maintenance so I had to find a different pot to put her in and I couldn't use a bigger one usually a plant grows it gets root bound has nowhere else to go so you have to get a bigger pot she hadn't grown in three years her roots, I should say, hadn't grown properly in three years, all wrapped around rocks. So I had to remove those rocks, get an actual, again, a, a pot with holes so that there would be some circulation and plant her again. So hopefully her roots grow nice and big and her leaves, what, what comes out, the fruit, you know, the leaves get bigger, not smaller. But in the process, I also had to give her a little haircut. It's not a person. It's a plant. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> um, because I want bigger leaves. I want her to produce more. And so there has to be some restraint. There has to be some maintenance. There has to be, God puts people in your life to do that. He puts peop, uh, your leaders in your life to give you some restraint, to help you, to help you grow, to help you grow properly. I don't know why I felt like I needed to say that, but I did. 
We can't just do whatever we want, grow however we want, wherever we want. God has parameters for each and every one of us. He knows us. He knows our makeup. He created each and every one of us. And sometimes we feel like we're being pruned. And maybe we are. Sometimes we need to be pruned so that we can grow healthier. Because if we just are let to do whatever, then we're not going to produce as much as we could. So we need to be tempered by the Holy Ghost. Amen, Sister Lisa Marie. Of course, we are going to, it is natural for us to react. And the, the, it comes down to whether our leaders are doing the right thing or not, we need to make sure that we're right with God and that we're still being submitted to the Lord, that we're praying for our leaders, that we're asking the Lord to help them. But we need to make sure that our attitude is right and that we don't change based on whatever it is the leadership is doing whether right or wrong, that we are doing right, that we are being led by the Holy Ghost at all times, at all times. It's, it's wonderful when we have a leader that is following God, right? It's easier, but then sometimes we become complacent when our leaders are doing well because then, oh, well, they can do all the work and I just can just follow. And then, again, we're losing restraint. Because we are not looking to God like we should. But the same thing happens when we have a leader that's not following closely to God. Then we can also lose restraint. It, it comes down to a personal relationship with God. It comes down to that, to that abiding relationship with God. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're teaching, we've taught this series, is because we can't just depend on the leadership of our church to have it all together. At the end of the day, you've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, I will pray for you. Pastor Brown and I will pray for you. We will fast for you. God will speak to us on your behalf. But I can't save you. I can't save you. I can't take you to heaven with me. I want to. If that's the case, the whole world would be saved in one second. And I'm sure Pat, Bishop and Sister Triumph felt like that for all the years that they pastored this church. Man, if I could just pray that one prayer and they would be saved. That's it. We would be done. We wouldn't be here. The Lord would return and hello, party in heaven. You know? But the reality is, is we've, we are in the end times. We are in the last days. 
in the time to just rely on the leadership to hear from God? Honestly, we were all asleep. But it's high time for us to wake up. Wake up and start feeling after God, feeling his presence, start seeking and searching for him. What does the word have to say to me? What do I need to do? What is my purpose? Right? Grab a hold of the vision to, to know Jesus Christ and make him known to others. That has been the same vision that we've had for over, for over 30 years, if I'm not mistaken. It's been the same vision. It's been passed down. The Lord spoke that to Bishop Tryon. We're not letting go of that. Know Jesus Christ. Know Jesus Christ and then make him known to others. That is the vision of the church. Let's do it. Let's be spirit-led. Let's have the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit working in our lives. Let, them, let, let us be temperate and just let it flow so that this, these seats can be overflowing and we can see New Britain completely saved. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a moment and just praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you once again. Oh, Lord, whatever it is that you want to do through each and every one of us, Lord God, have your way. Have your way in us, Lord. Not me, Lord Jesus. Not what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, Lord. But let your perfect will be done in each and every one of us, oh God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we often see this lack of restraint in kids with no manners. Parents automatically think their children will behave and do good if, if you just speak to, you know, if they just speak to their children but never correct them. You can't do that. You can't just praise your children and not correct them. There has to be a balance. You've got to tell your kids when, when they're doing good, hey, you're doing a great job. Good job. Keep, keep doing it. But when they start veering off a little bit, hey, 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 hey. Nope. Not okay. Not acceptable. Let's correct that behavior. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let's, now let's keep moving forward. There has to be some correction. This is erroneous thinking because every child comes into this world not knowing their limits or knowing limits in general. As good parents, we must teach our children that they do have limitations. We as parents have limits and that the world is full of boundaries and limits. Haven't you heard it? Oh, you can, do, you can be anything you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And that's, that's a good statement to make. But, but let's, let's uh, bring it to practicality. Yes, but what is your calling? What is your God-given calling? Don't go searching for something that you shouldn't even be going after. Let's, let's bring it where, where it needs to be. We, we do have limits. We, there are boundaries. I don't have the mind that my husband has when it comes to math and science. Man, he, he is amazing when it comes to that stuff. You ask me a math question? Hold on, let me pull out the calculator. What did you say again? Do you know what I mean? Now you talk to me about something else, English, 
And he's good at that too. He's, let me not use him as an example. (laughs) But we all have our abilities. We all have our talents. We cannot be comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. We have our boundaries. Some people are artistically inclined. Let them be artistically inclined. God made them to be that way. Some have scientific minds, you know, and, and mathematical minds, and they do all that. Thank you, Jesus, for that, because that's why we have these chairs that are perfectly measured, you know, and put through a factory that, that it's done properly. Because if it was my mathematical skills, that chair may not look like that, you know. Maybe the cushion will, but not the chair itself. You, do you understand? Limitations, boundaries. I'm trying to bring some laughter in here. It's a, it's a little bit. This lesson can be a little bit tough. So um, we do have that. We do have those boundaries. We do have those limits. The limits that are there are not there to harm us or to keep um, our children or or any of us bound, but to give them parameters and proper liberties to show them what behaviors are and are not acceptable. Children need boundaries. We need boundaries. How were we taught manners if it wasn't for boundaries? If we weren't taught that's acceptable and that's not acceptable. I, I was a young mother. I, I, oh, Lord. I had a liaison, Micah, and I just had Josiah. So there was, Josiah was a newborn and Micah was three years old. Always told them before we got into a store, don't ask for anything from the dollar section. We're not here to stop and get stuff here and there. We're going to get what we need to get and we're going to get out. Okay? We go through, we are passing the dollar section, and Micah runs over and he sees some toy and he says, Mommy, I want that toy. And I said, I told you we're not getting you any toys from the dollar section today. But I want it! He throws his huge tantrum, throws himself on the floor, you know. And I had already told them, I don't know how many times, I never had to do it, but I had told them time and time again, if you don't listen and you don't obey, I will take you to the bathroom and mommy's going to spank you. Well, now I had to do it. I had to follow through with it. Here I am with the newborn, you know, car seat, one hand. Okay, and I'm grabbing his hand, and I'm telling Eliezer, grab my skirt, you know. We're going to the bathroom. And when I tell, you know, I tell him we're going to the bathroom, Micah's going, no, don't spit me, You know, he's screaming this in Target all the way to the bathroom um, at Target. And I'm like, you want to make it too? You know, you want to make three? <laughs> I'm grating my, my teeth, and I had to actually follow through with it. We're in the bathroom, and I tell him, this is not acceptable behavior. I know you don't want it, but if you don't want any more spankings, and I suggest you calm yourself down right now because tantrums are not acceptable. Now you're getting two spankings. Do you want to make it three and continue to cry? He stopped real quick. 
Now we're going to walk out of this door, out of this bathroom, and you're not going to be screaming. You're not going to be crying but that, because that is not okay. We don't behave that way. We don't get what we want by screaming. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know. Okay, let's go. Quiet down. And we were able to do the rest of our shopping in peace. It didn't take a whole lot. But some of us are scared to do that. We've gotten into a place in our society where we don't correct because we're afraid what's going to happen. Where, yeah, well, if you don't correct your children, they will end up in DCF. That's the problem. My mom, man, my mom would say, you want me to call DCF for you? That's what my mom used to say. <laughs> she would say, here is the phone. She would say, here is the phone. And I said, nope, I don't want to be going to nobody else's house because the reality is things are going to be worse. And so I'm not saying we got to be extreme. We're, I'm not advocating any of that. But we have to be able to have restraint. There are boundaries. We need boundaries. If we don't have boundaries, we're going to lose restraint. We're going to lose restraint. Let's continue. So if a child is not taught that throwing a tantrum is wrong, the child will continue to do it to get attention and soon do it to get what he wants. If children are not taught that their bodies have limits by giving them a bedtime and giving them a time to wake up, they will stay up all hours of the night and, and day go to sleep when they feel like it, and suffer from sleep apnea, anger issues, anxiety, stress, depression, and other problems, all because the parent did not give that child boundaries of, of, a, of a bedtime, a time to go to sleep and a time to wake up. Just because of that, kids are having problems nowadays. They're on their phones 24-7. They have a TV in their bedroom. It's not taken away from them. So you're, you're suffering from sleep apnea. You're suffering from depression, from anger issues. These are real things. Look it up. Look up the statistics, what, the, what, what kids are actually experiencing now. Our kids have, we have limits. They have limits on their phones. Certain time, phone down. The, the phones go in our bedroom. Yep. And they need limits. And we need limits. We need limits. We need limits. Because if we don't, we will be on our phones all day and, and get nothing done. So we need limits. This is just reality. And then we get angry. And then we haven't spent time with our family. And then we're wondering what happened to the time. Well, we just wasted it all. On what? looking at what somebody else ate on Instagram, you know? Not okay. Why don't you pay attention to what your child is eating in front of you, you know? That they eat a healthy, balanced meal. Let's, let's do that. But we need boundaries. And so what ends up happening is that they, if there were no stop signs, okay, let's use that. If there were no stop signs or lights on the roads, what would happen? We would all be in danger of crashing, hurting ourselves and others, and there would be no respect for life. Well, we are there. 
and I'm seeing it more and more. Before people used to run through the yellow light, now they're running through the red light. Three cars through the red light. Like, what's going to happen in a couple of years? I mean, I remember you see yellow, that means stop. No, yellow now means go faster, go faster, go faster before it turns red. And then they see red, okay, it's time to stop. But they're not stopping. Restraint, limits, boundaries. This is, this is a part of temperance. Okay, that's where we are. We see clearly that the definition of temperance is to use self-control by mastering our desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. That means what the flesh wants, me, what I want. And we live in a world where everyone is given into their desires, their passions, and sensual desires by having relationships outside of marriage, relations with same sex, and no clear guidance from the Bible showing us the reason why this harms us instead of being good for us. It's not because I'm a Christian. It's because God created us a certain way. And we have boundaries. And they have boundaries. And when those boundaries are crossed, it harms us. That's not what we were created to do or who we were created to be. We love people. We are all broken. The reality is we're all broken. And we all deal with certain issues. When we came to Jesus Christ, none of us were perfect. And I'm not here throwing stones at anybody. But when we come in contact with the word of God, he shines his light brightly into our lives and it hurts. And immediately we want someone to dim the light because it hurts. Let the light in. Let it show you what is wrong and how it can be fixed because light cleanses. Light cleanses. Have you ever hung clothes outside to dry in the sun? If you want your whites to get whiter, Put them outside, hang them outside, because the sun, it's a natural, it's bleach. It will actually get your clothes wider. The word of God, the light of, of God, removes all shadow. There is no shadow of turning in him. So he removes it from our lives when we let the word of God shine in us. It's important that we know the word of God. And it shows us what we need to change. The lack of our Heavenly Father's vision or instruction causes destruction. That's why we have the issues that we do, where we have families that are broken. You have single parents. You've got people who are trying to look for love in the same sex. Not because they, they hate people. It's because they're trying to find love. And they haven't known what true love is. And true love is Jesus Christ. That's what it is. When we come in contact with people in general, doesn't matter their orientation, we show them the love of Jesus and let the word do its work.
not us. We show them the word. We teach the word. We preach the word. We love them with the word. The word does the work. So we show them the love of Jesus, and he is the one who imparts his divine nature through his divine power in us. Not our works or our own definition of self-control, but spiritual temperance. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. We've been here in the past couple of weeks now, or actually the past week, I apologize, the past week since last Wednesday. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us that, that have called us to glory and virtue. So it's according to his divine power. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. God is right here, even in the scripture, giving us guidelines, tempering us, giving us limits, showing us our boundaries. Listen, I've given you everything for you to have life and godliness. Life more abundantly right here through the knowledge of him. When we get to know him, we get life and godliness. And he's called us to glory and virtue. Verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's what we're looking to. We're looking to the divine nature of God, the fruit of the Spirit. That is the divine nature of God. We need to partake of the divine nature of God. I need to make sure that his spirit is flowing through me. When, when it is, then his divine nature, I'm partaking of his divine nature. That's what I'm doing. And I'm escaping the corruption of the world. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I want to make sure that I'm bearing fruit. I want to make sure that I'm bearing the fruit of the spirit. And the way I get to bear the fruit of the spirit is getting to know Jesus Christ. Partaking of his divine nature. And the scripture says in verse five, giving all diligence. That means that I'm doing everything within my power to obtain that divine nature. I can't just leave it all up to God. He's already given me everything I need, but I have to get it. I have to obtain it. I have to study the word of God out. He's put it there in front of me, but I have to partake of it. So that's what we need to do if we want to partake if we, of the fruit of the spirit. It's the natural path of a fallen world after Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the natural path is sin, okay? The natural path is sin. 
Once Adam and Eve partook of that, that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you don't have to teach a child how to lie. You don't have to teach a child how to hide when they do something wrong. You don't have to teach a child how to do anything bad because it's now become a part of our sinful nature. But you do have to teach them all that is good and all that is right. It, the sinful stuff comes naturally. But you do have to teach them to seek after God. You do have to teach them, read your Bible. You do have to teach them, pray daily. You do have to teach them, hey, let's tell the truth. It's not okay to tell a lie. It's not okay to hit. Let's love people. You have to teach them what is right. So Adam and Eve pushed against and broke the good boundaries that God gave them by eating of the fruit. They attempted to cover themselves up when they realized that they were naked, but their attempts at covering themselves up were not good enough. See, it's not their own self-control, their own righteousness. It's God, right? God had to be the one who covered them. They needed God to cover them, and that's what he did. He covered them. He created a coat and covered them. Sister Marie, what does this have to do with temperance? His vision. It had to be his plan, not my plan of salvation. His instructions for our lives, for their lives. That's what it is. Because that's temperance. It's control. God control. I know it says self-control, but it's God control. I give my control over to God, and I allow myself to be controlled by the Lord. So when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't just let them go wild. That's what they were already, that's already in, they were already in their nature. So he gave Moses instructions to put boundaries around the mountain. And when Moses went up the mountain to receive the law, the Israelites cast off restraint and had Aaron make them a calf out of gold. That was losing restraint but they couldn't even wait for Moses to come down the mountain with the law because it was in their nature. Temperance. The Lord was trying to give them the law, but they just cast off restraint before they were even able to receive it. Proverbs 8.33. Hear instructions and be wise. And refuse it not. Hearing the voice of God, reading his word, and obeying it will help us be temperate in all things. We live in a world full of pain and of heartache. And if we, if we do not have the word and the spirit of God to sustain us and keep us grounded in him, then we're going to be swept away by trials and tribulations. It is the word and the spirit that tempers us. We do not temper ourselves, but we learn and receive God's word and his spirit. 
when we when we receive from him when we learn to receive from him from his word and from his spirit then that's what helps us to be tempered without temperance we won't know how to deal with situations correctly this is the importance of temperance in our lives we must have an understanding that sin is sin and right is right no matter what my flesh may want or what it may desire. Proverbs 15, 32, anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. That's temperance in action. I'm not going to ignore discipline. I'm going to heed to it because it's going to give me my boundaries, the boundaries that I need. It's going to help me. Proverbs 15.32 and the Amplified says, He who neglects and ignores instruction and discipline despises himself. That means you don't love yourself. But he who learns from rebuke acquires understanding and grows in wisdom. We don't like correction. We don't like rebuke. But it actually helps us to grow. And I don't think anyone here wants to despise himself. But that's what happens when we follow our hearts and our desires rather than God's. We regret when we follow our own desires, when we, when we follow our own plans, we regret our wrong decisions because there's no peace, no tranquility, or hope in those types of decisions. But when we follow God's plan, boy, there's peace. Even if, it, if there's turmoil around us and we follow his plan, we have peace. So we need temperance. Proverbs 8.21, and this is wisdom speaking. Giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. It's important that we love wisdom, that we love the word of God, that we love, see, he is the word, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, right? The word was with God, the word, the word was God. So if we love the word, if we're in the word, we're loving him, we're getting to know him. And we are filled with treasuries. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Temperance. When we love and obey God's law, it gives us the peace that we so desperately need because it tempers and controls us. Amen. Any questions before we dismiss tonight or any comments? I know we're over our time. Temperance. We don't want to be scrambled eggs. (laughs) I like scrambled eggs, but I don't want to be a scrambled egg. I want to make sure that I'm tempered by the Holy Ghost, that he does in me what he needs to do. And again, the fruit of the Spirit, temperance is humility. When I allow the word of God to correct me, it keeps me humble. 
I'm covered in temperance, and I'm able to do what what I need to do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's all stand. Pastor Brown, will you please close us out in prayer? Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for this lesson tonight. Pray, Lord, we find a way to apply it to our lives. Temper us, Lord, through your process. It doesn't feel right, but it's what we need. We're open to it. We're open to your hands because we know you love us. Our best interest at heart. Bless us as we leave from this place, but not from your presence. Protect us. Let your angels encamp around about us. We believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. And tomorrow's Spanish Bible study, Partiendo el Pan, in the Browns' house. Tomorrow, 7.